Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Hi everyone, my name is Anna and I'll be doing the Bible reading this evening. It comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. This is Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Shout out again to the youth leaders, in particular, James W. for playing trumpet and Anna for reading the Bible after being on camp all weekend. Way to go, team. <laughs> but to all of you, we're proud of all of you. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, like you said, over the next three weeks, we're getting into a series we started earlier in the year, Means of Grace. At St. Matt's, we want to be a place of grace and a people of grace. And to do that, we need more of God's grace in our lives. If we want to show grace, show undeserved kindness and unexpected goodness, then we need to be continually filled up with God's kindness and God's goodness. To be full of grace, we need to be filled with grace, right? But not just like a a one-time filling. No, we need to be filled again and again and again. Sometimes we might think about God's grace as this one-time thing. And it's true that God does offer his saving grace as a once-for-all gift. God offers mercy and love and forgiveness to anyone who gives their allegiance to Jesus. From that point on, they've been brought into the family. They're adopted. It's done. But God also offers ongoing grace. Because we don't just need God's grace to start out as Christians. We need it every day. We need to feel his forgiveness again when we fail. We need his hope when we're frustrated. We need his courage when we fear. We need his strength when we're frail. We need his peace when we're frantic. We need his love when we feel forgotten. We need his grace every day. But what can a follower of Jesus do in order to receive or experience more of God's grace. That's where the means of grace come in. Means of grace are practices or habits that help us experience God's grace. They don't earn God's grace, but they help us to access it or accept it. I've been workshopping an illustration on this for months, and I tried it this morning. I'm not sure it really worked, but I'm going to do it again. The Bible often describes... God as this fountain of living water coming up from the ground. This water for our parched souls. 
And if we want to drink that water, then the means of grace are like having having a cup or something that can get into the water and help you drink and get more again and again and make it a little easier than trying to splash it up with your hands. That's the means of grace. Well, Ron used a different analogy earlier this year that I think a lot of people found helpful. He said, you can't force a shooting star to appear when you want to see one. But if you want to see a shooting star, go where you can clearly see the night sky. And you're dramatically improving your odds of seeing one. We can't force a special experience of God's grace. But we can do things that God has mentioned and endorsed in Scripture as ways to put ourselves in this position to receive more of his grace as he offers it to us. As Evie mentioned again, earlier this year we talked about prayer as a means of grace. God invites you to speak with him. We talked about the means of thankfulness because gratitude opens us up to grace. We talked about enjoying creation, taking a minute to gain a moment. We talked about hospitality. But tonight, we're thinking about a different means of grace. We're thinking about the means of meeting. We're thinking about how gathering with other Christians is a God-recommended way to experience more of God's grace. I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into it. God... We each carry so many different memories and experiences when we think about Christian community. And a lot of us have a lot of baggage. But we pray tonight that you would help us to think about this incredible gift afresh. And we would embrace it and that we would experience your grace through our community here. Amen. All right, our passage is from Hebrews 10. Hebrews is this letter written by a Christian leader. We don't know who it was exactly, but writing to a group of Jewish Christians who were all thinking about giving up their faith. They were thinking about giving up on Jesus specifically. I'm going to walk through the passage Anna just read for us. Then I'll make some comments on how it relates to meeting together as a means of grace. So from verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, you feel the argument building, but we're going to stop right there. What was the series we just finished? Oh, that was such a sad, sad. I I think, I think, Chris, it was Leviticus, but don't make me say it too loudly because I'm not sure. Yes, Leviticus. We just finished Leviticus last week, and I hope... In hearing that read now, you're seeing a whole bunch of Leviticus references through it because Leviticus is chockers in this passage. Leviticus tells us how God wanted to live among his chosen people. And so they had to build a tabernacle, right? They had to build this great big tent that God was going to dwell in. Leviticus tells us that in the middle of this tent, there was a curtain partitioning off this extra special room, the most holy place. And in that room, that's where God's presence was going to dwell. But of all Israel, only one person, the high priest, could ever enter the most holy place. And even then, they could only enter one time a year to offer a sacrifice for the sins of all the people and then get back out. But the writer to the Hebrews says that we now get to go where essentially no one could ever go. Jesus has broken down the barrier between us and God. Jesus tore open the curtain when his body was torn open. He made a new way to come in, not through the blood of animals, but through his own blood. 
offered up once for all time. And now he's this kind of forever priest over the house of God. A priest that doesn't turn us away at the door, but ushers us in through the torn curtain, right into God's presence. The writer to the Hebrews says that since Jesus has made a new way to come to God, we should do three things. The first one is in verse 22. Since Jesus has made a new way to come in, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That's more Leviticus, right? That's like the priest getting washed, being completely cleansed, being made holy. That's us now. We come into God's presence confidently. We aren't trespassers. We aren't thieves. We're invited. We're expected. We're wanted. We come in like we belong because we know we've been made clean. Since Jesus has made a new way to come in, let's draw near to God. But just briefly, what does that even mean? In what sense do we draw near to God? How does that work? One of the advantages of me living right there and working right here and my kids going to school just over there is that I get to do school drop-off most days. And one of the things I love to do at school drop-off is just like subtly watch the other parents as they farewell their kids. There's a lot of I love you's near the school gate, but you don't hear a lot of I love you as the kids walking through the gate. People are cooler than that now, don't worry. What I see is parents like holding their kids' hands as they walk down the path through the Coles car park. Or I see lots of quick little hugs near the gate. Or I see a parent getting down and just talking quietly to this kid. Because if we really want to show someone that we love them, it's easiest to communicate that from arm's length or even closer. The encouragement to draw near to God is about relationship. It's about love. It's an invitation to intimacy. It's a promise that you can have closeness with God. The writer of the Hebrews is saying, since Jesus has made a way in, come on in. Don't waste it. Draw close to God. Experience an intimate relationship with the one who made you and loves you. The second thing we should do is in verse 23. Since Jesus has made a way for us to come close, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Our hope for forgiveness. Our hope for life forever with Jesus. Our hope for a new creation where everything is set right. That's not a a tentative hope. It's not a, I'll cross my fingers kind of hope. It's not a wing and a prayer kind of hope. It's a confident hope that we can absolutely cling to. Because the one who promised us, he's faithful. And then the third thing we should do is in verses 24 and 25. Since Jesus has made a new way to come close. Number three. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. 
and all the more as you see the day of Jesus approaching. Since Jesus has made a new way to come close to God, keep meeting together, keep encouraging one another, keep spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. Great advice, great directions. But, what does meeting together and encouraging one another have to do with the rest of the passage? Like it's the same paragraph, but did you notice the shift? In the first couple of things, it was about what God has done for us and how we can relate to God. And then at the end, suddenly it's talking about how we relate to other believers. It makes sense that we should hold on to our hope because our relationship with God is our hope. It makes sense that we should draw near to God since Jesus made a way for us to draw near. But how does gathering with other believers fit into all this? What does gathering with other believers have to do with drawing near to God? Let's go on a journey. It's a Bible journey, so you can stay in your seat. The presence of God isn't described as a constant thing in the Bible. Even though there are lots of passages, like Psalm 139 on the screen right now, that talk about God being everywhere, that talk about God being omnipresent, he's sometimes described as being particularly present, especially present, more present in some places than in others. Sometimes theologians call this God's manifest presence. It's manifest, it's obvious, it's clear. God is clearly present. We've already seen one example tonight of God's manifest presence when he dwells in the tabernacle. I mean, God's everywhere, right? But he's especially present in the most holy place. He dwells there. He's there for centuries until the Israelites reject him for generations and eventually his presence leaves the temple. Then there's this other example that comes along in the Bible, a pretty important one. This is guy named Jesus. He, God is perfectly present in him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And after Jesus ascends into heaven, the Spirit of God comes down at Pentecost to dwell in followers of Jesus. To live inside people like you and me. But not just in believers. Now the Holy Spirit lives among believers as well. Paul writes in Ephesians that we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't that amazing? God's spirit dwells in and among his people the way he dwelt in the tabernacle once upon a time. But then there are times when God is even more present among his people than just that. When believers gather in Jesus' name, meaning when they gather as an expression of being his people, God is especially, especially present. In Matthew 18, Jesus says that when two or three gather in his name, there he is with them. In 1 Corinthians, Paul describes the Christians assembling with the result that the power of the Lord Jesus is present. Later in the letter, he talks about the church coming together with the desired result that any non-Christian who is present will fall down and worship God and say, God is really among you. All right, back to Hebrews now. That's the end of our journey. When the writer tells the Christians to draw near to God and then to keep meeting together, 
He hasn't changed topic. They go together, they're connected. God is especially present when his people gather. So one way to draw near to God and experience relationship with him is to meet with other believers. We draw near to God when we draw near to each other. Gathering with other believers is a means of grace. We come to God when we come together. Whenever Christians gather as Christians, whenever we gather to express that we all belong to Jesus, God joins us too. God is here right now. Especially here. Here in a particular way that he hasn't been here for most of our weeks. God is here because you are here and 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 and we are all here together professing our hope in Jesus. We come to God when we come together. I just, I honestly think that's extraordinary to the, to the untrained eye. This is just a, a gathering of lovely, quirky, Deeply flawed people in this 50-year-old building in northwest Sydney. But to the trained eye, God is here. Because we come to God when we come together. So if you want to experience more of God's grace, gather with his people as his people. To be a recipient of God's grace, gather with his people. If you feel like a failure, find fellow failures who will remind you that God forgives. If you need strength, assemble among those whom God has appointed to help carry your burdens. If you need courage, come, let being with Christ's people encourage you. If you need peace, be present with people that will pray with you. If you're feeling hopeless, come and get a hug. If you need grace, gather with God's family. Because we come to God when we come together. I don't want to overpromise what you'll experience in Christian community. There will still be hurts and disappointments. There will still be unmet expectations. God, in his wisdom, chooses to manifest his presence amongst broken people. And I feel acutely the hurt some of you carry in regards to Christian community. But when I think about our disappointments with Christian gatherings, this quote from the German theologian Helmut Thielicke always comes to mind for me. He says, No one fails to meet God in the sanctuary, church. No one fails to meet God in the sanctuary who brings God there with them. No one fails to meet God in a Christian gathering, in a church service, a Bible study, a Christian event. No one fails to meet God in one of those places if they're bringing God there with them. That's a confronting quote, but I think also a true one. If you're pursuing closeness with God, you will bring God with you when we gather together. I think a way to increase your overall experience of God's grace when we gather is to focus less 
on being a recipient of God's grace and focus more on being a representative of God's grace. If God chooses to express his grace through his people, we aren't just supposed to be recipients of his grace. It means we are to be representatives of his grace too. God wants people to draw close to him through you. God wants to encourage others through you. God wants to spur others on to love and good deeds through you. God wants to even welcome back those who have stopped meeting through you. I think St. Matt's is a pretty good church when it comes to noticing when people aren't there. In a service, in a Bible study group, at an event, St. Matt's people are pretty good at noticing when others aren't there. But... I think we can also be a pretty Australian church, if I can call it that, in the way that we might, after noticing someone is away, feel too awkward to reach out to that person. It's not that we don't care. I really believe that it's a match. It's not that we don't care. It's just that we don't feel confident reaching out. So can I reframe that experience for you? I want to suggest that if you are noticing someone is absent, Maybe that is God prompting you, nudging you to reach out to that person. If it's true that we experience God's grace when we gather together, those who haven't gathered for a while are ones who especially need his grace. So who isn't here tonight that you've noticed that you could reach out to? How could you act as a representative of God's grace to them? How could you show his undeserved kindness, his unexpected goodness, so that they can draw closer to him too? Christians are flawed people that together make a flawed community. But God is still here. And being here amongst imperfect people is still a way he has created for all of us to draw near to him. Because we come to God when we come together. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you want to be with us. That you gave us your son and you gave us your spirit and you are close. We thank you so much that you are especially here right now with us. I pray that you give us hearts to believe this truth and to marvel at it and to be grateful for it. But I want to pray especially for people in this community that are hurting tonight because they're disappointed with their community. God, I pray that if apologies need to happen, apologies could happen. If forgiveness needs to happen, then forgiveness could happen. pray that you would bring healing and hope. I pray that you would help each of us to grow more and more in Christ-likeness so that our community can become what it could be by your Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. 
We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.